1: N-Y or text HOPE-N-Y in New York.
2: Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Jeremy Birmingham. This is
1: Talking Stuff, the
2: Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Byers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, go to ByersAuto.com and check out their selection of new and used vehicles in Columbus and anywhere around the country. They will have you covered. If you're looking for Ohio State Recruiting Stuff, stay right here. Myself, Andrew Ellis, and Spencer Holbrook are going to talk about the latest in Buckeyes football, including uh, a preview of the decision on Wednesday of Austin Saraveld, who will make his college commitment and uh we'll run down the latest in the list that we have put together and as Ohio State starts to really move forward into the class of 2023 so let's get to it. Andrew Spencer welcome to the show guys it's been a couple weeks since we've done the talking stuff and for that folks I apologize but uh life at Leonard Monroe has been a little bit peculiar lately let's just uh start by getting that out in the open and and uh you know, it doesn't mean that recruiting has slowed down because it has not. Uh, So let's start with Wednesday's decision day for Austin Saraveld, the four-star, six-foot-five, 315-pound offensive lineman from Lakota East High School down near Cincinnati. Final two really is Ohio State and Notre Dame. Alabama is included in the final three. There'll be a hat on the table, but I think this is coming down to Ohio State and Notre Dame in the last couple weeks, and he's made visits to both schools multiple times. He went to the spring game for both schools. He's done everything that you want a recruit to do if you are an objective viewer of recruiting, right? Like this is a kid who, when he was offered by Ohio State on the Halloween of last year, he had no ranking. He had one offer. Nobody expected him to take his commitment beyond like three days later. I mean, everyone expected a recruiting decision to come immediately. Uh, And Saravelle, to his credit, said, I need to make sure I fully investigate these options and I think it's funny because though everyone has still expected him to choose Ohio state on Wednesday. And I think ultimately, I think we'll agree that he probably will see the facts are Notre Dame made this very interesting. And for some reason, that's one of the little boogaboos for Ohio state fans is whenever Notre Dame's involved for an offensive lineman in the, in the Midwest, you sort of get antsy, right?
3: Yeah, it is. There's, there's a few positions that Notre Dame kind of struggles with like cornerback and wide receiver, But when it comes to offensive line, like there's no shame in being locked in a battle for a four-star offensive lineman with Notre Dame. I mean, they're one of the best programs in the country when it comes to recruiting, developing and sending those guys off to the league. So not surprising.
4: No, not at all. And when you look at the way that Notre Dame has, like you said, developed guys, it makes sense why guys from Ohio who are only a few hours away from there would want to play at Notre Dame. And that's not to say that they don't want to play at Ohio state because obviously they do. You've got Luke Montgomery in this class already, but yeah, Notre Dame always has a way of making offensive linemen uh, – you know, making Ohio State sweat when it comes to these offensive linemen. You look at some of the guys who went there in the past from Ohio, and, you know, it, they do a good job just as Ohio State does in trying to recruit these guys.
2: Right. And with Sarabold specifically, it wasn't even as much or hasn't been as much about uh, the position and Harry Highstand and the recruiting job that Marcus Freeman and Harry Highstand have done. It's about his personality, and he's such a, a under-the-radar um, – I don't want to say type B personality, because I know from talking to him, he's an extremely confident kid. He believes in his athletic ability, and and he thinks he he can play anywhere in the country. But he's not one of these big, loud kids. He's not super active on social media, not one of these, like, really look-at-me guys. And, And generally speaking, and especially in the class of 23 in Ohio, that was why I always kind of was worried about Brendan Vernon in Ohio State maybe not being the right fit. And with Sarageld, I think that's a big part of this puzzle because the Buckeyes campus, the Buckeyes brand, the Buckeyes life is very, very big, and it requires players to really look at that. And say, hey, do I want to be a part of this? Uh, and if when you come from a place like Lakota East High School, which is not like a talent producing mecca, uh, you start to think maybe a smaller campus, maybe a little bit more uh, less pressure, is, is is the right fit. And I think that was a part of this what took this decision as long as it did as well.
3: Yeah, I, I think we we talk a lot about fit, and it seems like kids that fit Ohio State, a lot of times they tend to fit like a Clemson or, or Notre Dame as well. And just him taking the process the way he did and kind of going slow about things and doing his, doing his research, I think that's kind of led to some, you know, hey, is this kid really going to end up at Ohio State kind of thoughts from the fan base? I know there was a time when I thought, Maybe he was going to end up at Notre Dame and Berm. I think you were probably in the same boat with that. But, you know, everybody handles the process differently. He's not as out there as Luke Montgomery and retweeting things and actively recruiting. So it's just he's handling it his own way.
4: Yeah, but I think not every guy needs to be like that in the class. You know, maybe that's a little too over the top if you've got every single one of them doing that. It's nice to have a little bit of a mix. And so I think he'll fit well into this class uh, when you look at the guys that are already committed with Luke Montgomery and some of the, the vocal guys there are you know, Ohio State's not going to ask Austin Sarabelle to step in and be a vocal leader of this class. They're not going to ask him to do things he doesn't want to. And I think that's where probably the, the comfort, uh, you know, met, you know, the road met the rubber was he decided that, you know, he's ready to make a decision. Ohio State's not going to ask him to do something he's not ready to do. And so, you know, if if he's comfortable, if Ohio State's comfortable, then you move forward with it. I think that's where this entire process has you know come to an end ohio state and him reached an understanding together
2: well i mean notre dame is still hoping to pull off the upset there and so you have to wonder if if he does pick ohio state how it changes the big picture recruiting for the buckeyes i believe that luke montgomery eventually becomes an interior lineman that's just my opinion i know that there's conversation about him starting his career at ohio state at tackle he's very athletic he has great footwork. He could play tackle because of that. It's almost in a, a Donovan Jackson type of way. Like, he's so athletic that maybe the traditional traits that you look for in a tackle, the length that uh, we've come to expect out of Ohio State tackles, maybe you can get away without that. Um, but in my mind, if Sarah Bell commits to Ohio State, then there's three interior linemen in this class. And then it becomes extremely important for Justin Fry to really hone in on his tackle targets, the true tackles, and I think they have to get two more because even if you consider Montgomery a tackle halfway, you still need two true tackles in this class when you look at the roster. And um, Saraveld, I think, is probably the most physically ready of of Montgomery and Padilla and himself that to play college football next year, just physical size wise. But the step up in competition level and that kind of stuff might be a, a more of a jump for him. So you got to find offensive linemen in this class that are going to be able to contribute and play tackle next year uh, in a pinch. And I think that's where things get really interesting for Justin Fry moving forward because we've talked about it. This spring was not a banner recruiting session for Justin Fry and the offensive linemen. Chase Basantis did not visit. Samuel Okanlolo did not visit. Um, You know, Ohio State did get Olausso-Lennon on campus. He's got an official visit set up for June, but there's questions now. And it's great to have these big three Ohioans locked up if it's done with, with Sarah Bell, but boy, oh boy, it seems like Justin Fry has his work cut out over these next few months.
3: I just think the whole, where is the tackle thing, like that's been a question that we've been asking for the last several cycles. I mean, it's great to have those guys who are maulers on the inside and, and maybe Luke Montgomery does end up at right tackle. Um, I tend to think probably inside as well, Berm, but when you're, when you're battling Alabama for these kids, like they are for some of these top guys on their board, um, the recent history is not, is not great. So I think there's probably a, a reason for a little bit of pessimism and Justin Fry needs to get those guys on campus and land two or three tackles this cycle.
4: Yeah, I think so too. But at this, you know, it's kind of funny last year at this time, Burnley, we were talking about, uh, you know, maybe Thayer Munford and Nicholas petit Frere finally get, being the first round tackles that Ohio state needed to get that momentum and the offensive line on the recruiting trail. And that just simply didn't happen. One of them just played guard. And so now you look at Paris Johnson to take that, take that next step and try to become that. You look at Dewan Jones to try to do that, and and kind of not level the playing field because I think at this point it's almost going to be impossible to try to level the playing field with what Alabama's done at tackle. But almost try to to catch up a little bit and say, hey, you know, Justin Fry can develop a first round offensive lineman as well. He can make attack a left tackle be a franchise cornerstone in the NFL. Not that you know a Taylor Decker is not that, but these guys. That they're recruiting now, don't know who Taylor Decker is. And so yeah. you, you you've got to start producing those kind of guys to see the, the success and recruiting trail. Like, look at Caden Proctor's top seven. It's, it's there's a couple of schools in there that have a lot of first round guys on the offensive line going. Ohio State's not one of them. And that's just the facts right now. And so, yes, it's it falls on Justin Bryant. but it also falls on the program as a whole to to put some guys in the league and make sure that that these guys know, like, hey, you don't have to be a first rounder but we can still make you into one to get to the NFL. Yeah,
2: that's been the question. That's why Ohio State made the decision to move on from Greg Straduaro. The the, well, the recruiting success was not where it needed to be. And it, that development, though it was very good for a lot of these guys, wasn't over the top where it was um, mitigating the recruiting losses. And, and especially, again, when you talk about head-to-head with Alabama, that is huge. And Olausa Lennon, for example, is very likely going to be an Ohio State versus Alabama battle uh, for his ultimate decision. And when you look at the rest of what's going on this spring, and I, I bring up Besantis and Lola because those are kind of the two tackles in my mind that I know Ohio State's been really high on. Both of those kids visited Michigan State this spring but never visited Ohio State. So I don't know. I don't believe. Let me rephrase that. I don't, I don't believe it's an issue where Justin Fry isn't connecting with these kids. I think Ohio State just needs these official visits to happen and and get an opportunity to really connect with them and their families in person um, because for whatever reason, the unofficial visits weren't able to uh, get arranged.
4: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only
3: a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Yeah, I mean, they just, they need to get them on campus. If they don't get them on campus here in the next couple months, I mean, it's a lost pause and they're going to have to basically reset the board. I mean, we were talking about the same couple guys as it pertains to tackle and we, we don't want to have those like late bloomers that come into the class late. Sometimes that works out with like a Dewan Jones type, but, it seems like they need to add fewer projects when it comes to offensive tackle.
2: You got to add fewer projects everywhere at this point. In the in the transfer portal era, in the name image of likeness era, Like, you can't just bring in someone and expect them to sit in the roster for three years to develop. I mean, these kids all want to play, and they have an opportunity to go play anywhere immediately and, and get paid for it. And so Ohio State is in a very different position than they were three years ago. And I think, Spencer, one of the things that's interesting is Maybe Ohio State just needs
4: to go out and recruit college tackles, you know? Well, here's the problem with that, though. I mean, you listen to any – I listen to a lot of college football stuff. Every single beat writer you listen to at every team they're covering says, well, they're looking for a tackle in the transfer portal," And then you run into the same issues that Ohio State's running into on the recruiting trail. Like, how do you get to the NFL from there? And so I think this all just simply comes back to – put guys from the tackle position into the NFL at high draft picks. And well, Ohio State is going to need to show that. But, yes, they are going to need to take some offensive linemen from the transfer portal moving forward, in my opinion, maybe shift the philosophy there. Because, you know, I think of Jacob James as a guy who I think can have a successful Ohio State career in the next couple of years. He, he and a couple other of these guys, maybe a Josh Fryer, might be the last, uh, you know, Projects Ohio State ever really works on in the offensive line. You can't take those kind of guys anymore. You have to take guys that you think can come in and produce or else they will leave. And so that's just the way college football is right now. <laughs> but even the guys that are producing can leave now. That's
2: the weirdest thing. And because, exactly. you know, this is where Ohio State fans, I think, are, I mean, we're, that's why I love talking stuff presented by Byers Zala because we don't have a script. And so now I want to talk about something. Now I'm going to talk about something totally different. Ohio State fans are panicked in a way about name, image, and likeness, and the way that it seems every other school around the country is using it very, very aggressively, and the Buckeyes are not. And I want to be very clear Ohio State is being very aggressive on name, image, and likeness. They're just not doing it with recruits because that's not within the rules. (laughs) And period. And so I know it's crazy because everyone else is just flaunting the fact that these rules are being broken because there's no enforcement anywhere, but it is still not. it is still not allowed by the NCAA to use NIL as a recruiting inducement. And so Ohio state, I mean, kids come to campus and they meet with CJ Stroud and if CJ Stroud pulls open his bank app on his phone, I guarantee you every kid that wants to know how much money Ohio state recruits can make know how much money CJ Stroud has made. Uh, I know that, but, It's like you see the Carnell Tate stuff and the rumors about Tennessee and uh, the amount of money that Nico Iamaleva apparently was uh, offered by Tennessee and the money that Jordan Addison, the pit wide receiver transfer, is being rumored to have uh, got on the table from USC and some others. Like, this is crazy town, banana pants that we're entering. Like, what are we doing, college football? What are we doing? Find just someone. Someone pay attention to the rules. Someone enforce the rules.
3: Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Ohio State's doing fine with NIL with its current student athletes. But when it comes to the recruiting aspect of it, that's when it feels a little strange when you hear about these deals. And I saw today, I think it was inevitable that the NCAA was going to come in and do something about it. And I saw they're going to look at that now. It, it, like I said, it was inevitable, but it kind of feels like it's almost like an attack on, on Tennessee and USC just because some of these recent, recent rumors that we've heard. But, I mean, Ohio State's doing fine with NIL and the guys who want to – come to Ohio state and invest in their long-term futures. I mean, they're still going to do that, but it's, it's just strange. It's just strange times we're living in right now.
2: Spencer, because Ohio state's not going to recruit a kid that name, image, and likeness money is the most important thing to them. They're just not going to recruit those kids.
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, we always talk about Ohio state's trying to find the best talent at the right fit. And I think now more than ever, you've got to find the person who fits and that's not, you know, meaning fits into the budget, like some of these other places are. And, yeah. you know, Berm, here's the crazy thing. We tried to steer clear of accusing people of cheating on this show for a really long time. And, you know, like, you know, some schools were paying recruits before this happened, you know, under the table and whatever. And we wouldn't really brush up on it. It's all public now. It doesn't matter. Like we, we, it's open, it's out there. And so like, Ohio's is not going to pay these guys to come to the school. They're, they, you know, they're going to get them paid once they are, are producing on the field or right. once they are, Uh, you know uh, a highly rated prospect that's going through you know spring camp for the first time like then they're going to help these guys get deals they're not going to set up deals you know with a 17 year old before the kid gets on campus and offer him something like that's just not how they're going to do it so the fit is even more important now than ever you know they're trying to culture build they're trying to find the fit well the fit just took on a whole new meaning now yeah and they're not going to pay for unofficial visits they're not going to pay for
2: families to, to travel to games. They're not going to do all the stuff that a lot of schools have always been doing. And now it's just sort of out there and being flaunted a little bit more so than normal, because there is no NCAA enforcement wing right now. But the, the reality is bottom line, Ohio state football players and athletes are making as much money as anyone in the country. When it comes to name image, I like this. They're just not being promised it on the recruiting trail. That's it. And, and I'm telling you, there's going to be a moment where, the average fan looks at it and goes, it's weird that Ohio State, Alabama, Clemson, et cetera, aren't doing these things. And all these other schools are, and we'll find out which approach works and which approach is the best for the long-term health of your program. Because uh, within the next year or two, you're going to see a handful of schools that the inmates are running the asylum and it's going to be very, very hard to keep up.
3: Yeah. And, and some you know, these people are going to be watching, these recruits are going to be watching what we just saw last Thursday night when, you know, three Ohio State or former Ohio State wide receivers got selected back to back to back in the first round. I mean, those I think Ohio State, Ryan Day, Brian Hartline, they want they want the kids that see that and want to come to Ohio State because of that. And, you know, that's going to sell itself, I think. They're
4: they're they're much happier seeing, uh, you know, a NFL draft on three graphic on our Instagram rather than an NILU graphic. From on three on our Instagram and like that's just the facts. Like that's what Ohio State wants, and like the NIL is a huge part of it, but so is the draft. And when you look at the way Ohio State can put people into the draft, uh, I guess the other side of the coin from what I was talking about the offensive line, the way they put guys in the draft, skill positions, like that speaks for them se- itself. And um, there are kids who do understand that a second NFL contract is much more lucrative and life-changing than. A couple hundred thousand dollars when you're 18 years old, and, and the simple truth of the matter is, Ohio State is
2: not ignoring NIL in recruiting. They're just not promising copious amounts of money. They the collectives that Ohio State has in place uh, are doing work, and they're doing good work, and they're connecting with families. But it's not being used in a way that is trying to sell a kid on something other than the big picture development at Ohio State. And if the and it's as I said, if NIL money is the most important thing for a recruit and his family, then that player is not going to go to Ohio State. And so that's, you know, in some ways it makes it easier than ever to, to know who's a fit and who's not. Um, but at the same time, it is going to make Ohio State, in some instances, look like they're losing battles that maybe they hadn't lost in the last few years. And maybe it's going to uh, level the playing field for a year or two in the conference around the country because some schools are in clear desperation mode right now and it's obvious uh, that they're pushing the envelope in a way that I don't think other schools like Ohio State are comfortable doing right now and that's why the Buckeyes just focus on their guys right they've got their their list of players that they're they're going after and that's where they want to stay and that's what we're going to talk about next now that we've talked about the pending decision from Austin Servo, a little bit of NIL Stuff. And now let's talk about the list. Andrew, on Saturday, you wrote uh, the list, the latest updates to it in the class of 2023. Nine names, three offense, three defense, three wild cards that we think are um, the most important players remaining on the board for Ohio State in the class of 2023. So I think since we haven't done the talking stuff in a few weeks, we should just get those names out there and then do a little assessment of where things stand uh, with those guys as we head into as we stay in the evaluation period with official visits starting in about a month. So Spencer, why don't you start with the, the list? And let's just talk
4: player by player and, and go through what, what's what. Do you guys want offense or defense first? Don't care. Then we'll, start, we'll start with the wild cards first. How about that? Bust a move. All right. Uh, Chase Besontis mm-hmm. uh, is one wild card. The second wild card is Mateo Uyangalaleh defensive lineman. And the other one is another defensive lineman from Andrew is John Walker from Kissimmee, Florida. Uh, A big, big uh, six foot two, 320 pound defensive tackle.
2: You know what's crazy about those three names is that right now I think I would say Ohio State's got the best chance with Mateo Uyengalele of that entire group. I like the relationship they have with John Walker. They love his, his upside and his game. He's been to Ohio State a couple times, but it's going to be harder never to pull those kids out of Florida when, when you're talking about what Billy Napier is trying to do at Florida, what the NIL collectives at Miami are doing. Um, but Walker is very interested in Ohio State, and I think that he's a guy that could end up in this class at defensive tackle. They have Will Smith Jr. committed, and so you have one combo D-tech, uh, defensive tackle and defensive end. So you're really only looking for three more offensive linemen in this class, I think, one true defensive tackle and then maybe two defensive ends. Um, and Mateo is the type of player that I just think is too good to not make a full aggressive swing at. And I think personally, I think Ohio state right now is in the top three with USC and Oregon and his, uh, maybe, maybe Alabama is ahead of Oregon in that situation. But I think it's like Ohio state, Alabama, USC and Oregon fighting for him. Uh, and Basantis is, you know, I just, I can't figure it out. They, they love the kid he visited last summer and camped, but he hasn't been back. And, and it's hard to get an idea if the visits he made unofficially this spring are, are opening the door for those schools to get the official visits and, and not Ohio State.
3: Yeah, we, we talked about it earlier, with some of the offensive linemen not making it to campus this this spring for the unofficial visits, and it's it's weird. I mean, I, I thought two months ago I would have said that I felt that Ohio State might have been the leader there, and then he goes a couple months without making it to campus, and now they're one of his top schools, but it's just – not looking quite as pretty as it was a couple months ago, I would say. And then, you know, with Walker, it's kind of interesting. It feels like it's almost like Ohio state battling UCF right now, which you don't see very often, but you know, I think we'd take Larry Johnson in that battle if it comes down to that. And then we you know, getting him on campus here recently um, was a big deal, but that's going to be a, that's going to be a national battle. And with Lincoln Riley down, down in SoCal now, you know, there's, there's a long way to go there. It seems like.
2: Yeah. I, I think the has, In the most recent like top schools list, I think he listed eight schools. And if I'm thinking about it correctly, Mm -hmm. Ohio State is the only one of those schools he didn't make an an unofficial visit to in the spring. And that is hard to believe considering Texas A&M, Texas, Georgia, Miami, LSU were all on that list. And Ohio State didn't get an unofficial visit considering that the plane ride from New Jersey to Ohio is significantly shorter. Uh, and it's a fairly uh, manageable drive. So if you look at it just from that perspective, I, I'm having a hard time being optimistic about where that
4: recruitment is going. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com.
2: It's my little escape.
4: Now Judy's the life of the party.
2: Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon.
4: Whoa, take it easy, Judy. Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prices. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary where' prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Yeah, and it was kind of an interesting list too, because I know Notre Dame didn't make it, and I kind of thought that they would. And then I think Penn State too yeah. was left off of that. So just it was just kind of a strange list all around. So yeah, I'm with you on that.
4: Next. All right. I guess we'll go to uh, defense, which is defense. Driven, defense, which is nearly entire, which is all southeast uh, prospects. Uh, Caleb Downs, a safety, a five star. Everyone knows who he is. Uh, Kayan Lee, another really highly rated guy. Everyone knows who he is. And then uh, surprise, Ohio recruits really good players. Uh, the number three overall player in the country, Keon Keeley, uh, the Notre Dame commit. Uh, those are the top three defensive guys. What do you guys think about that? I'll let, I'll, I'll let Andrew start here.
3: So I think I've officially changed my Caleb downs outlook and I'm now on Burm's side with that. I think I might've mentioned that last time, but I, I kind of just felt like Georgia's going to get him. He's from Georgia, you know, Georgia just won the national championship, but it's looking more and more like Ohio state and Alabama could be the top contenders there. So I think he's getting back to campus in June for an official and wants to decide by the end of July, maybe before his senior season. So I mean, one of the best, best safeties in the country, even with two safeties already committed, there's a good chance Ohio state takes at least three, maybe even four this class. So he's, I mean, he's one of the best players in the country, regardless of position, uh, Canley, cornerback, uh, you, they need corners. Uh, the one-time Georgia commit visited this spring. I would say Ohio state's in the driver's seat right now with that one. And then Keon Keeley, I mean, does he stick with his Notre Dame commitment? He was just there last weekend signing autographs in South bend and all that stuff, but Alabama, and Ohio State are not going to stop there so that would be that would be a very big deal if they're able to uh, flip him from the Irish
2: yeah with keon what's interesting is that i don't think i i don't think we're going to hear about him taking official visits to other schools but that doesn't mean he's not going to do it um, and that's where a kid like him great kid one of truly one of the better like gr- just a really great kid to talk to I think this is a situation where a kid wants to be respectful to Notre Dame. He loves Notre Dame, but I think he's in his head saying, I, I owe it to myself to make sure he did visit Ohio State unofficially. He did visit Notre or Alabama unofficially. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes official visits to those schools in June just to verify what he's thinking. Um, it's still an uphill battle for Ohio State, but I personally believe if someone's going to flip him from Notre Dame, it's going to be the Buckeyes and not Alabama. I just think that he's a kid that the the culture at Ohio State and Notre Dame as a Tampa uh, – as a Tampa Berkeley prep kid, same high school as Nick Petit Frere. This is a kid, he wants that sort of culture, I think. Uh, and obviously Alabama is the best program in the country for a reason, but I, it is different than Ohio State and Notre Dame. And I think that he'll be I, – I would put the Buckeyes as the true threat to flip him. With Caleb Downs – go ahead.
3: I was just going to say, and now it's an interesting situation because you have Al Washington trying to keep right. him away from Ohio State. But sorry, go ahead. I mean,
4: I can interject on this Caleb Downs thing. This is, I, I, I don't mean to be distracted, but I think if Caleb Downs commits to Ohio State, I'm going to say something that might drive you guys crazy, but I think it's bigger than when Raekwon McMillan committed to Ohio State. Um, I mean, it, it's Von, Rayquan,
2: Von Bell's decision to commit to Ohio State over Alabama uh, in 2014, 2013 was the recruiting win that spurned Urban Meyer to a national championship or spurred him to a national championship.
4: Yeah, think, exactly. And I think that this, Caleb Downs could be on that level because, like, okay, so I'll use Raekwon. I didn't look up the Von Bell, but Raquan McMillan was from near Savannah, Georgia, not close to Athens. Um, so you could understand maybe the pool to not need to go to Georgia. When you talk about Caleb Downs, this is a kid that is in high school a if I have this correct 39 minute drive 30 miles from Athens Georgia. Like I don't know if we talk enough about the ramifications of like what that actually means for Ohio State if they can pull this off down south. Like that that would be absolutely massive for Ryan Day to go down in the heart of that territory and pull out a five star top 15 overall player at a safety position that Ohio state needs to be top notch in the next couple classes. Here's yeah. the thing about Raekwon
2: is that Raquan's family was a military family. Okay. So he grew up moving around a lot. Didn't have a, a huge Georgia background. Yeah. George, Georgia and mm-hmm. Mark Richt did a very bad job of recruiting him early. And really it was Ohio state and Alabama at the fi- as the final two for Raekwon. Um, Though, Caleb Downs does live that close to Athens and that close to – there's no Georgia ties in his family. His father played at NC State. His brother plays at North Carolina. Th- this is a uh, – trying to avoid hyperbole. Caleb Downs is a professional football player, okay? like yeah. this, is, this is a guy that is thinking bigger than just where what school is going to show me the most love. This is a kid who's looking at the entire picture of things – And he's a very different personality. He's just not a kid that's swayed by anything other than what is best for Caleb Downs. And that's the way it should be when you're talking about these kids right now.
4: I I guess I was trying to just talk about optics, like the optics of this. No, no, without question.
2: Without question. That's why everyone had him initially crystal ball to Georgia. He's from Georgia. He's going to go to Georgia, but I just, it's not the case all the time. There there are unique and individual circumstances that every kid has.
3: Spencer, you missed a really good time with the Von Bell stuff back when you were like a toddler or whatever. Um, I, I remember that so vividly. Like I remember exactly what he was wearing when he committed, which is probably extremely weird and probably says more about me than it should. But um that's that's exactly who that's exactly who I would compare this to if Ohio State's able to uh to land Caleb Downs. It would absolutely be Von Bell 2.0 when he was wearing yeah. his yellow shirt and suspenders.
2: Yeah, he he, he... The beauty of that decision is that nobody knew. Ohio State did not know until he said it on TV. And that was, um, you know, such a rarity to get to that point in a five-star players recruitment. And my personal take on the opinion, uh, 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 my personal opinion on Caleb Downs is that he's going to end up at Ohio State. I, I think the relationship between him and Perry Eliano has just been that much better. And I really believe that he is going to be Ryan Day's Von Bell, and I'm going to stick with that. Alabama is obviously scary as hell to Alabama. They, they get whoever they want. It's, it's the, the reality of recruiting is if Alabama wants someone, they're going to get them, and that's the challenge. Um, you know, and that's, I'm, not, I'm not meaning to skip over Kay and Lee, but we've got uh, nine minutes left on this uh, you know, uh, podcast, and so I wanted to talk about the offense because if we're talking about Alabama, we have to talk about Richard Young and Brandon Ennis, because those two both have key visits coming up to Alabama. Richard Young has been to Bama like three times in the last couple of months. He's not been to Ohio State since he's been there in October. He was at Ohio State three times in, in four months last year. The relationship with Ohio State is as good as it's ever been. He is coming to Ohio State for his official visit the June 24th through 26th weekend, same weekend that Justice Haynes is. So it's gonna be an interesting vibe with both of those two on campus. I think that's a situation where Tony Alford can basically sit down with him and say, if either one of you want in, say yes, and then that's it. Um, but if this isn't a situation where Ohio State did something wrong or Ohio State's fading. It's just – it's Al-freaking-Bama. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's Alabama. There is – they're really, really good at this stuff. And uh, they have an offense that features a running back and is productive for, for running backs. They, their running backs get drafted the same as Ohio State's do they win national championships every other year. Like there is, it is hard to beat them. And so if Richard Young ends up at Alabama, and I I truly believe still it's Ohio state or Alabama for him, um, we'll know probably first week of July, I'd imagine, but if they lose it, it's not because they didn't give it their best shot. I mean, it's just, it's Alabama.
3: Yeah. There's, I don't think that Ohio state's like lost that battle right now by any means. I know the, recruiting prediction machine has Alabama as the heavy favorite and rightfully so he's recently visited there they're closer to home they produce at the position but the bottom line is Ohio State Tony Alpert just needs to get him back on campus in June and then anything's possible
4: absolutely and I think that's another you know I, I don't want to just make it all about this for now but that's another like you pull a five-star ring back from Virginia trivia and trivia Henderson that's one thing you pull one from uh you know South Florida Central Florida like that's that's another optics play where you can just say, you know, we can go anywhere in the country and get a guy we need. Like you can do it on defense with Caleb Downs. You can do it on offense with Richard Young. And by the way, you're going to have to beat Alabama for both of them. I mean, this is a, a statement class as you can get for Ohio State. If you can try to get these guys in it, I think Richard Young will be just as big of a pull uh, from the South as as Caleb Downs will be. As we're talking about
2: the list, we already talked about Olau Salinen, so I don't want to dive too much more into that. But one guy that's not on the list is Carnell Tate. One guy that is on the list is Brandon Ennis. Another guy that's not on the list is Noah Rogers. And I think all three of those guys could be used as one player in this – in this in a weird little way because I really think Ohio State still – my belief is that Ohio State lands all three of those receivers uh, to go along with Bryson Rogers. I think that the USC talk for Brandon Ennis is still – A concern, But to me, it's Alabama that's the bigger concern. I don't see him going out to the West Coast for college. It's just my personal opinion. Um, And the Carnell (laughs) Tate, I don't know how many more ways that relationship or that recruitment can twist and turn. But every time, Andrew, every time, Spencer, it comes back to Ohio State as the team that is being compared against or the team that's being recruited against. And generally speaking, that's a good sign
3: yeah I mean, yeah. Notre Dame surged at one point, Tennessee surged. I mean, it's Ohio State is the um the kind of the team that's just always there, the constant. and I think he hasn't scheduled an official to Ohio State and does he really need one? I mean he's been there a dozen times. so I think people see his official visit schedule and don't see Columbus on that list and kind of panic a little bit, but I, i'm I'm right there with you, burn Either one of those three guys could be in that receiver slot that I had listed, and I tend to agree that they're gonna Brian Hartline's gonna get all three. he's uh He's pretty good at this.
4: Well, the one thing that I'll say about, about this Carnell Tate saga and and the possibility of that is like he says he wants to commit this summer. He told Chad Simmons he wants to commit this summer, and, and that's fine. But uh, you know, he hasn't really been to LSU as much, he hasn't been to Georgia as much, he hasn't been to Tennessee as much, but he's been you know talking to Tennessee a lot. If he's ready, if he's closing in on a decision, like he's told Chad Simmons. And he's visiting those places for either the first or second time when he already knows exactly what Ohio state is. You know, to me, those schools are all kind of the soup du jour and Ohio state is like the constant. And so that tells me that, that Ohio state is in a really good position. We try to read tea leaves on this show and I think that's a tea leaf I'm going to, I'm going to read and be okay with. I think he's going to end up with Ohio state. The the, the soup de constant
2: uh, as as it (laughs) were. And the simple truth is that, we're going to find out. And we've kind of talked about this before is that if what's important to Carnell Tate is going to bear itself out and that's it, there is no comparison right now between the Ohio state program and Tennessee. There's just not, and that's not a knock on Tennessee. They're, they're doing a great job in this recruiting cycle. Josh Heupel is a very well-respected, good coach. I'm sure they're going to be a better program in the next couple of years than they have been in the last couple. So they're going to be trying to convince Carnell Tate and Nikolai Maleva and guys around the country, they, those are the players to make the difference. Those are the guys to, to bring about the, the change uh, at Tennessee. Ohio State is saying, you know exactly what we are. We've done it year in, year out. You know exactly who Brian Hartline is. There is no one in the country that Carnell Tate has a better personal relationship with than Hartline. And so you just have to wonder, what's important. And uh, I don't, I would not knock Carnell Tate or any other player in the country. If the most important thing was to get your family a lot of money as soon as possible. Like that's, that's a, something you have to consider. We're in a new world. You have to think about that. But I, I do believe that at the end of the day, the opportunity to, to take advantage of Ohio state's name image and likeness situation is pretty good. It's pretty lucrative. Like it, even, you know, the Ohio State true freshmen right now, guys like Keon Gray, et cetera, they're making a lot of money. They haven't played a down at Ohio State yet. These kids are just not being made a bunch of promises on the recruiting trail. But the promises Ohio State is making, the promises Brian Hartline is making, is that if you come play for him, you're going to end up as a first-round pick out of Ohio State in three years. And so that promise has a lot more weight to it than people think. And that's why I still think Carnell Tate is going to pick Ohio State. That's why I think Brandon Ennis is going to pick Ohio State. And that's why I think Noah Rogers, who we don't talk about much because he doesn't talk much. That might be the steal of the class. Noah Rogers is a bad dude, like a bad man jam. Like that guy can play football. And uh, I know if people, oh, it's Ohio State or NC State. Maybe it's not a good – he's a really good player, folks. And if you need to go watch him, watch him. We spend so much time talking about Tate and Ennis and all these other guys that we don't talk about some of the guys that are – Handle their recruitment a little bit different, but he's a he's a good player. We got less than a minute, guys. Final thoughts.
4: Andrew, go first.
3: Uh, my final thought is that Brian Hartline is a, a fairly good recruiter and coach. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I I'm kind of interested to see like who is going to emerge on the quarterback front here in the coming months. We haven't talked about that much. We've been talking about Dylan Rayola in 2024 so much, but here over the next couple months, is there a 2023 guy that kind of rises up the charts, gets an offer, because they're going to take somebody. And um, whether it's a portal or on the recruiting front, I mean, who's it going to be? Who's going to come kind of put their name out there? So that's what I'm waiting to see.
4: Uh, I guess my my parting thought is uh, Ohio State is focused on draft night. A lot of schools right now are focused on signing day. Are you a draft day guy? Are you a signing day guy? I think that's what's going to make the difference in whether you want to be in the Ohio State class, in the Alabama class, or if you want to be in the USC class, in the Tennessee class right now. I think, I think that's going to be the, the, big, the big thing moving forward is, is draft day or signing day. What's your priority? That's it. We'll talk
2: more. We'll, we'll be doing more of these talking stuff, I promise, over the next couple of weeks. Stay with us. Andrew Ellis, Spencer Holbrook. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. Thanks for watching Talking Stuff, presented by Buyers Auto. Have a great night. Have a good day. Have a great week. Have a nice life. See ya.